Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to week two of the college football season. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is uh, Brett Bielema's skinfold cleaner, Colin Anthony. Hey, thanks for having me. And, of course, Brian Goers, uh, Jacksonville State's uh, 11th year head coach. Good to be back. Indeed, it is good to have you back. So, uh, it is week two. The Tigers have just pulled off their second win of the season, although it was not an easy one. The Tigers went down to Jonesboro, Arkansas, and played the mighty Arkansas State Red Wolves. Mighty indeed. Yeah, they they were not a bad football team, and I think a lot of people going into this game were talking about it being a possible trap game, but it was not. Um, we managed to pull off the win. What was the final score, 27-20? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hoping with the... Um a little bit of chatter uh, on Twitter that brother uh, Quintel brothers got mad about, um, and af- having Arkansas lose earlier in the day to a shit team, that maybe they uh, this wouldn't be a trap game. That maybe Missouri would be ready for this game, but uh, it's a trap. Uh, they were not. They were not. They looked like hot garbage in uh, the first half of the game. Hot it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, not good. It was not good, especially in the second quarter. It was it was abysmal. Yeah, the first quarter, Missouri uh, led three to nothing by the end, and my interpretation of that quarter was that while you know it wasn't a big lead, um, Missouri looked stronger, looked faster, and I was felt confident by the end of the game that Missouri would wear down the the Red Wolves. But uh, but the second quarter proved me wrong. Well, um, I, this game was so frustrating, and I don't know where should we start. Should we start with all the things that went wrong? Being as we won, or should we start It's a lot more fun with... to talk about than things that went right. Well, uh, I'll tell you this. Um, Matty Mock was the Matty Mockiest for big portions of this game. Yeah. Holy cow. The interceptions, just unreal. I mean, inexcusable at this point. I mean, the guy is the same quarterback he's been for all whatever he – what is he now, 16-4? Uh, and four? Right. He had 20 full starts now, and he is the exact same guy he was from the first start to the, to the start tonight. Yeah, yeah, he's he's consistently inconsistent. The one thing that it was different about Matty Mock tonight versus uh, years past is that they uh, relied on his legs a lot more than they did last well, year. Well, they need to because his legs are um, legs are m- much more impressive than his uh, throwing arm is. Well, and part of that is with Hansborough being hurt. You know, you just kind of fall back on that as well. No doubt. Hansborough um, had five carries for like 15 yards, went in very sparingly. It was obviously he wasn't healthy yet. 
And I think if he would have been anything close to healthy, he would have been in the game too because the Tigers really needed him. The running game was not good. Uh, Ish Witter proves to be, um, I mean, a baby could fart in his general direction. It would knock him off his feet apparently. Uh, you get that guy in space, he's got some wheels. But, I mean, as far as running between the tackles, he is uh, he is not the answer. No, and Morgan Stewart had a couple runs. I think they had I don't think Tyler either Hunt one of them in. got past the line of scrimmage. No, and, and the Tigers are scrambling to find out what do they do when it's not uh, Russell Hansborough running the ball. And the, to this point, it hasn't been Russell Hansborough running the ball because that ankle sprain clearly was affecting him tonight. He was out of the game more than he was in it. And uh, we had to rely on Matty's arm, and that's always a dangerous prospect. Yeah, he threw he was 16 for 36 on the night with about 150 yards, but lots and lots of his passes were just behind the receivers, the receivers having to turn, and there were a few drops. I think there was oh, like, oh, six or eight oh, drops. Christ. But, oh. but not all those drops. I, I don't put all those drops on the receivers either. Some of them, you got to turn around, you're on a slant route, you're already thinking you're going to get killed. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. You turn around. Um, Sean Colkin had a decent game, had some catches, up is down, yep. down mm-hmm. is up, yep. cats are marrying dogs, it's a wild, wild world, all the receivers cannot catch the ball, Sean Colkin inexplicably is catching the ball. I'm going to say it was Sean Colkin's best game as a Missouri Tiger. Yeah, oh, I would agree. With Big that. third down rec- a conversion catch, a touchdown grab, I mean, and the touchdown grab was uh, yards after the catch, which to this point I could never remember Colkin ever having. no. No, yeah, and that touchdown uh, pass was was the best Culkin I've ever seen. Well, and it was the best you're going to get. On a, it's the upside of Malk. You know, he's running around, he's scrambling around. The defense bites because they think he's going to run it, and at the last moment before he passes, gets the line of scrimmage, he makes a a very like a wild throw. But he's Desperate. athletic enough and and has enough body control that he kind of whips it out there, sidearm on the run, hits Culkin, uh, touchdown. You know, what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, but then he does that again, intercepted. Yeah, Manny Mock is the the heroine of quarterbacks. He <laughs> makes you feel really good for a little bit, and then he crashes down so hard. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just want the methadone that is a consistent quarterback sometimes. Well, I feel like we have the methadone on the, on the sidelines. However, he was only in for one, well, two plays, one throw. Drew Locke, um, his first throw, um, was intercepted and that was the end of the drew lock for the night although if you notice my voice tonight folks is a little bit uh a little bit gravelly it's from screaming at the television or the internet television whatever you want to call it from the horrible broadcast because i think that needs to be brought up too yeah they uh they referred to russell hansborough as tyler hansborough <laughs> sure they did on multiple occasions. i uh, was more impressed with the multiple close-ups Over. of fans faces and backs of heads mm-hmm. especially the timing of them was awful. Like the biggest plays in the game, all you could see was some fat fucking Arkansas State yeah. head. You and know? usually ESPN 8, the Ocho, does a better job. <laughs> yeah, yeah at, no uh, doubt. This kind of stuff. At first, I was like, maybe it's not ESPN's fault. Maybe it's the fault of the stadium. Jonesboro is not set up for big time football, and uh, they, they didn't have a place to Best put of the a camera. Bad situation. Yeah, they were trying to do what they could. But the, that wasn't the only thing. The back of people's heads, it was like at clutch moments, you'd you want to see, oh, did they make the first down? And they'd cut away to the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It and was then bad. You'd, want, you'd say, well, is this second down? I thought we had a penalty. And then right before they snapped the ball, they'd f- flip the, the scoreboard to say, oh, it's first and That ten. first Arkansas State touchdown was a rem- remarkable catch, one-handed catch, so I'm told, because <laughs> you certainly couldn't see it on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah it was an okay. I think that's something that should be said, too. I mean, two passing touchdowns for Arkansas State, both remarkable catches, whereas Mizzou couldn't catch it 
you know, if it was stuck to them, you know, if the ball was covered in stickum, uh, Arkansas State's receivers were making circus catches. Jamon Moore. Uh, Jamon Moore had a bad night. Yeah, yes, he did. He uh, he had three big drops, two of them consecutively. Uh, one of them was in the end zone. And uh, I felt bad because, like, Matty Mock has his problems. We've probably made that somewhat clear on this program. <laughs> I feel like we've brought it up once or twice. But there were a couple of throws he had that were right on the money. He couldn't place them any better, and they got dropped. Yeah, his uh, line would, looks a lot better if his receivers help him out. I made a big mistake at one point saying Nate Brown is a reliable pass catcher, and then he had a big drop. Um, Jason Reese, who came in one, for, like, one possession, got the ball thrown right to his hands, which apparently was a big mistake because yeah. he dropped it. Uh, and that told me why he can't get ahead of Sean Culkin on the depth chart. Apparently, yeah. he's got he yeah. he has cinder blocks for hands because uh, Culkin <laughs> has bricks. Well, but, but this is what we knew, right? We knew going into the year, young receiving core, not not many returners that even had played all of last year, and this is what you get as a result of that. I guess I, I know they're young, but they're getting college. Their college is paid for. <laughs> To catch footballs, God yeah. Almighty! I mean, how? But how many sophomores are out there? You know that are are making or are playing even on on big programs that aren't. You know, this is like basically their last year, and they're gonna put their next year in because they have to type of deal. But they should be in the NFL, right? Well, sure. But my my hope is that uh, against Arkansas State tonight in week two, this is when the drop sees occurs, right? And then throughout the year, I mean, at some point you have to say. Now they're experienced sure. receivers. Um, I don't but, know. Well, this is why you schedule the cupcakes early, right? This yeah. is why the SEC gets weird where they play these weird, like like big games, like tonight. You know, there's some big games going on in the SEC, but that other conferences don't do because they're like, wait, why would we do that? Like, we we need those first couple yeah, of games. Paul Feinbaum calls it an embarrassment. I call it smart. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just yeah. You well, need a preseason to get warmed up, to get the drops out, to get the the know, drops legs are more forgivable too. Whenever they're contested passes or they're really long sure. throws, or if they're poorly thrown balls, but the ones that are right in the money pit, right in the chest, right in the hands, and then they get dropped. Those, are, I mean, I don't care how old they are. It's like God, you're, why that, are you on the field if you cannot catch it? You know, like I said, Colkin caught everything that was thrown to him. So kudos to Colkin. I'm going to give him kudos just because I've been so hard on him. He is consistently disappointed, though. I will say this, that son of a bitch, <laughs> on that first Matty Mock interception where he's falling backwards, chucks it up the field because, as he's so apt to do, he's required by contract. Two guys are about ready to, to close in for a tackle. The guy that intercepted the ball, and Colkin lays the sweetest block on a Missouri defender. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, it's uh, the only block he's ever thrown. Yeah, exactly. He breaks, breaks the, the, the uh, D-back uh, free, and he runs for another 40 yards. It's like, God damn it, Colkin. So uh, speaking of praise, I feel like we got to praise another one who this program craps on a lot, uh, Andrew Baggett. Do yeah. we crap on him? I feel like we're I, I big know. Baggett fans. Well, I, I feel like I'm, Brendan, if I'm not mistaken, I was in your garage it. earlier. You have you still have about half a box of Baggett jerseys that we are selling ourselves on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. I also have a shrine to Andrew Baggett that I pray to regularly. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. I feel like Andrew Baggett is a star <laughs> of this team, and I've only ever said that. I, I think we've coined sure, the nickname sure. Baggett of Gold yeah. <laughs> on this show. I no, That's I, weird. I'm, I don't remember that one. I'm going to tell you, during the game at one point, after, after Baggett's second field goal, I, I told Colin, I'm going to admit this on air. I said, you know, if it hadn't have been for that that missed field goal opportunity, or missed South Carolina against South Carolina, 
we, I don't think we would ever have this reputation that we've given to Andrew Baggett. I think we'd look at him as a reliable kicker. Yeah. He's become a good kicker. The, I'm the one, one kick, and therefore he's, uh, yeah, his That's all it takes in over. sports, though, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to bring something up here. Um, during the game, Matty Mock, he, his legs proved to be quite valuable. He had a couple good throws. But there were so many frustrating points in this game, particularly in the second quarter where I was screeching at the television to bring in another quarterback because I felt like we had one waiting in the wings. Well, it's again, I, it's not the interception so much as how they're thrown. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's the turn away the line of scrimmage. It's the ball should be thrown away, but he tries to force it or, or say, God forbid, just chucks it down the middle of the field. I mean, he, yeah. it's the, it's the stupidity of it. And then also in the second quarter, he had a delay a game penalty, which it's Wait, just, what's that Colin? What is that? What's up? Hot <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I honestly, there were times I was calling for Locke, obviously. It's like, give the kid a chance. After a couple three and outs there in the, the second half. But what? that being said, maybe you don't need to do it if Locke's in, but Locke couldn't have done what Mock did in this game with his legs. I, we pulled that kid's red shirt. I would have liked to have seen him play more than one series. Yeah, and, and also what a – one pass. What an awful way to destroy a young quarterback's confidence, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you threw an interception on your only pass. You're, you're out of the game. You're done for the night, fella. You know well, what? Another I thought the same thing. complaint about the uh, the program's, uh, how terrible the uh, the broadcast was, they never showed a replay of that pass to, to, to definitively show me whether it was Locke throwing behind the receiver a bad pass or if it – or if it hit the receiver in the chest and bounced off and got intercepted, you really couldn't tell whose fault it was. I wish you could, because uh, you know I don't. Want, Lord knows I've been free with my praise of Locke. Right. I mean, if, I'll say one thing for it: there was no finesse on that pass. That was an absolute rifle shot. That's what I was <laughs> seven yards. Say. I think what we might see when we look back on that pass, if we have any camera angles on uh, to to view later well, on, well, hopefully it. someone got it with their iPhone in the crowd. Yeah. Is that I think Drew Locke uh, winged it maybe a little too hard and it was a difficult catch to, or pass to catch, but we'll never know because we were looking at the back of some neck roll from an uh, Arkansas State fan from some hillbilly from Jonesboro. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the touchdowns. We obviously mentioned Colkin, uh, another young man who uh, mm. got his first catch of the year, his only catch of the game. Uh, Wesley Leftwich. Wesley had uh, been sitting out the week before because of a knee injury. And uh, he couldn't have come in at a more opportune time because that was Terrific a fantastic catch. Uh, route, a fantastic catch, and it was it was essential to the victory tonight. If you if you watch Wesley Leftwich and he snaps Wesley. last year or this year or in in uh, like the spring game, something I've seen him consistently do is get behind the defense. He obviously has some wheels, right. or maybe it's just they don't give him. You know, he's a short white kid, so they're like, oh, this guy can't run. And he just blows their doors off. I don't know what it is, but he he consistently gets behind the defense, and he did. I mean, he had several steps on it's, his defender. It's called Jordy Nelson syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yep, he's a, a real Julian Edelman out there. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, huge catch, huge spot in the game. Um, at that point, I felt like the momentum shifted to Mizzou, and I thought this game is over. It yeah. wasn't, unfortunately. It Jonesboro, or I mean, Arkansas State continued. To, to press us, um, I felt like that might be backbreaking. I can't tell you how many of, Joan, of Arkansas State's opportunities came from our own mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the first half, they had what? Uh, well, they have 10 points. Was it 10 to 10? No, it's 17-10 we were trailing. 
uh, seven of those came from one long sustained drive. Ten points came from opportunities that we put them into scoring position from uh, turnovers. Well, another bitch about the broadcast, Brian mentioned um, before we started the program, the, the announcers never said why Arkansas State took Knighton out, their quarterback, because right. he seemed like he had some game. And uh, the guy they replaced him with didn't – it was terrible. You know, no. I mean, he obviously was not – ready for that position. He's and, a, he's a strong contender for the Kirk former Sarah player of the game for the Tigers, uh, because the offense absolutely stalled out for Arkansas state. Yeah. And the only way I can imagine they took Knighton out was because he was hurt. But at no point during the broadcast, did they show him on the sidelines limping, holding his arm at no point in the broadcast, they, did the announcers say anything about him? Uh, no, there was a point where he was kind of limping around on the sidelines. Uh, well, I, I must've missed it, but I, it's, you you think when the starting quarterback for the team goes out, you'd think that somebody in the broadcast yeah. booth might, I don't know, feel obligated to mention the reason why. Well, even before that point though, you know, our, our defense started to play pretty well. And we, yeah, I mean, we held him to two straight three and outs. He came out of the game after being sacked on consecutive plays yeah. by um, Harris. I, th- I think there was an element in the late in the third quarter where we were starting to wear them down, where where the the talent of the Tigers was starting to become more apparent, and the smaller school yeah, of Arkansas State was starting to um, to show itself. Well, Marcel that's, Frazier that's made the, a couple plays, which I was like, I didn't hear his name at all the first week, so I was glad to see that. And then that's that's just the attrition, right? I mean, that's why you don't see these these upsets consistently is because Mizzou's second and third, you know, options at wide receiver are still better than Arkansas State's mm-hmm. first. I know? wish we had there's, five Evan Baines, I'll tell you that, because no, on those design runs yeah, from Mock, yeah. he was getting out there on that linebacker, just grabbing him and just knocking him out of the way. It was beautiful. You don't want five Connor McGoverns? No, I do not. I do not. Yeah. I, I, he's not a left tackle. I mean, he's the best we've got, I suppose. But uh, I have watched uh, enough left tackles play football, and I've watched Connor McGovern play it in two games now. And I can tell you definitively that if he runs into a NFL talented um, DN, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this: We've struggled in two consecutive games now with the running game, um, outside of Matty Mock's and sort of design runs. How much do you blame that on sort of the ish witters of the world um, and the running backs? And how much do you blame it on the offensive line not being able to create holes for the running backs? It's a, it, obviously a bit of both, but I, I can tell you this: the, the difference between a, a good running back and a not good running back is is the ability to kind of make something out of nothing. And, and I know this has nothing to do with college football, but as a big Chiefs fan, and there was a transition between Larry Johnson to Jamal Charles. And this line was atrocious for like the first three weeks of the season. Uh, Larry Johnson could get nothing going. He was averaging like 2.5 yards per carry. And they give Jamal Charles a chance. And he's so fast and he's so shifty that suddenly this line can open holes like crazy. And it's not, it's just that he's just a half a second faster. And it was all the difference in the world. And I feel like that's what Hansborough is. He's the offensive line needs to do better. But I think that with Ish Witter, I think the, 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 Hansborough has a shiftiness. You know what I mean? He'll make that first guy miss that Ish won't, and then he'll hit a hole. Whereas, you know, I think Ish may be the, the, the kind of a, a quick back, but um, I don't think, I think he has a real problem, you know, absorbing contact and bouncing off or, or finding a little seam. I think he, he's just not a, the runner that Hansborough is, a natural runner. Yeah, and I mean, he'll learn, right? This was, this was his first real game, I think. 
Well, he played last year. Uh, a little yeah, bit. but, but not nearly as – I mean, Hansborough played pretty much all last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's something to be back. said for learning to be a patient back. Yeah, yeah, waiting for those holes to open up before you before you try to take off with that blazing speed that he does have. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is a combination of both. I, I think it's concerning, right, because, again, you want to look at these first couple of schools and be like – Okay, well, our offensive line, our defensive line are blowing out the other teams. They're just so, blowing holes out. So that, that, you know, and the rest of it will kind of click into place, right? It, and it's a little scarier when that's not the part that's mm-hmm. happening, right? Look back the last two years, our our lines, for the most part, except for that the center with the, the high snaps there for a while and everything, but our lines were, were pretty consistent in most of the games, and it was just other pieces around it figuring themselves out throughout the year and getting better. When you don't have that base to start with, I feel like, you know, and it's the unsexy part to talk about, right? It's the thing that no fan wants to go back and like, let's break down the left guard, you know, play from the last game. Everyone wants to talk about the flashy catches. I can and tell you this, Tyler Chapel got blown up quite a bit tonight <laughs> when they really only put him in the fucking field. <laughs> but that, ridiculous. But that's where that's where games, especially I feel like in the SEC, more so than the, some of the more spread conferences, where it's like you can get away with you know our left side, side of the line sucks and you we're just gonna spread it. it out. Yeah, less you know in the SEC, you just gotta line it up and beat the guy in front of you, and, mm-hmm. and that's an issue I think for this year. Well, it's a bad combination having a, run, a young running and experienced running back uh, along with a weak offensive line because like like you said, Colin. Um, you get an offensive line that doesn't hold their blocks or doesn't create a hole for very long, a really good running back can salve that wound, and, and you won't even notice it because he'll make the most of the situation, whereas an uh, inferior running back just won't find anything. I wish they'd give Hunt more carries. I've, I've yet to see him do anything but but get positive yardage. You know, I mean, he's never he hasn't really done anything that great other than catch that true lock touchdown last week. He as a running back, he didn't anything doesn't do anything flashy, but he had one run tonight. I told Britton, I said, "You see that? He pushed the pile two yards before he went down, and it was only a four yard run. But if Ishwitter had had that ball, it would have been a two yard run. You know, what I mean, it just the, the guy they pounded it up the gut. He got hit by two defenders, pushed pushed those two defenders back two yards, and yeah. fell forward. And it's just like that's that's a two yard difference per carry." Maybe he gets too many carries and he gets exposed for not a very good running back. But to this point, I can say definitively he couldn't be any worse than Ishwitter. Yeah, I think I think the strength again this year will be Mizzou's defense. I think you saw that mm-hmm. in the third quarter when they started to, to hold them and our offense was doing everything they could to just fuck up the game. Yeah, and we put the defense in bad situations exactly. multiple times. Exactly. That came in through. I saw Brennan in the game. This this uh, Arkansas State team was were blocking. I mean, they were. They were finding their man. They were squaring him up. They were blocking well. And the Tigers, especially in the first half, could not shed a block to save their lives, especially our D-backs. I saw they wouldn't set the edge. God, they did not set the edge. And the D-backs would be sitting there. And Kenya Dennis, I saw several times on those outside runs, he was just, he was just completely annihilated by the, the wide receiver in front of him, just get his paws on him and couldn't get off the block. And I'm like, I mean, Kenya may be able to cover, no doubt about it, but, man, he was having trouble getting off blocks, and it was driving me batshit crazy. Uh, well, hey. they still only had, you know, 90-some-odd yards of, of rushing. So, you know, again. In the second quarter makes it mostly too. Well, you know? yeah, yeah, and and that'll that'll happen, right? And, and it is still early guys trying to figure out how they fit in all the schemes while everything breaks down around them, so. I, the defense looks good. It's a, again, right? I feel like it's deja vu from last year. Mm-hmm. The biggest question marks: Maddie Mock, 
offensive line and wide receivers, yeah. right? Like, yeah, I think you're right. But I want to change the subject before we go to the break, guys, because I don't feel like we've had enough red-hot mock-lock talk. We had a close game tonight. Um, the plan is clearly that uh, Pinkle wants to put lock in for one possession in the first half, and then should we blow out a team, he'll take up the garbage time minutes. But we're going to get into the SEC schedule soon, and there's not going to be a ton of opportunities probably where there are going to be garbage time minutes. We've burned this kid's red shirt. How much Drew Lock are we going to see yeah, I, in the heat of the SEC schedule? And truthfully, the way um, Matty Mock played at times tonight, I don't think anybody would have faulted Pinkle for giving Lock some more snaps. And Pinkle, Pinkle I don't think this. he wants if, to take Mock's if, confidence. If this kid right. plays one series a game the rest of the season, let's say he gets – just a series in every game. I mean, even in those SEC games, he gets a series. If he only plays one series a game for the rest of the season, I will be irate for them burning his hot red shirt. Mm-hmm. What are we doing if we're not going to give this kid some snaps? Mm-hmm. It's, it's wasteful. Because then we got next year to worry about. And then why didn't we do what we're doing this year next year? Yeah, yeah. it's Mock being a junior and clearly not going to the NFL. I think we, that's a safe assumption to make at this point. Yeah, I um, think that's a, that's a stone-cold lock. I... I, it it is strange. I would love to hear a good explanation from Pinkle on why you burn the red shirt from your supposedly stud freshman, or is he sophomore this year? Lock. Lock is a freshman. freshman. Lock is a freshman. freshman. Yeah, yeah. Why why you'd burn that that um, that, that red shirt, shirt this year is that that's going to be a big question mark in a couple of years. Dennis Dobbs from CBS Sports. He's the college guy. He was on the radio this week, and he brought up Drew Locke, and uh, there's some quarterback camp that uh, the biggest names in football go to to work with and blah, 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 and I don't remember the guy's name. The Manning name. camp, probably. There's a, there's a number of It's not the Manning camp. The though. Elite 11? Well, the Elite 11 he was on, but I don't remember. It was, it's some quarterback guru coach that Locke apparently worked with, and this, this quarterback guru goes, this guy is getting drafted as soon as he, he can be drafted. He, and he, this guy looks at quarterbacks up and down all year. That's his job. And he said Locke is a, is a lock to be drafted. And so um, it, makes, <laughs> it makes you worry that we're going to burn a red shirt on it and, we're gonna, and he's going to be a junior and gone. You know what I mean? And we've, we've taken one year of Locke and we just torched it to watch Matty Mock flail around. Yeah. And, you know, hey, if we keep winning Matty Mock, good on you. But if the minute we lose a game because he throws three interceptions off his back foot – I'm going to lose my damn mind. But the problem with that then is you needed to go with Locke, right? I mean, it I needed to be a I conscious agree. decision to say Locke's going to get, you know, a quarter's worth in every first couple games here so that should we decide to be like, okay, you know, Mock, you're you're done here. Hey, you can't put him in at this point. He hasn't he hasn't played with the first team the entire year. I thought that might be what's happening. Mock threw a ridiculous interception, and the very next series, Locke came in. You know, it seemed like the timing might not have been just in, let's get him some snaps. The timing was, gosh darn it, I'm mad at Mock, and I'm going to put in Locke. You know, and then Locke nearly throws an interception. But I, I, w- I was kind of secretly hoping with the timing of, of Locke's play that maybe that was the uh, – this was the point where that transmission might start. Well, there's been one result of Locke being active this season, I think, that we saw tonight, which is the Tiger offensive coach 
has been he's opened the playbook to let Matty Mock run. We saw that tonight. That was Matty Mock's legs yeah. was crucial to. We don't um, care if he gets hit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Last exactly. year, last year they did, and you know because they didn't have a ton of confidence in Eddie Prince apparently, but with Locke as our sort of insurance policy, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Mock running. And uh, so whether Locke gets in or not, it will have cha- he will change the offense even from the sidelines in that respect. I'd say. And, and yeah. the way Matty Mock ran today, good on him. I mean, I'll take as much of that as I can. Oh yeah, he he's he, he was really Mock is the most fun to watch whenever he is making north to south north runs uh, positively. He's skipping. a ball player. I mean, I, yeah. I know I've been hard on him, but Mock is a ball player. He, he makes stupid decisions. He is a rock head, but you know, there is no doubt that that kid's got some real athleticism and talent and uh his his winning his his win loss record belies that but uh <sighs> he is hard to stomach at times he's, well he's consistently inconsistent uh yes. guys at the end of the day we came away with a 27 20 win on the road against a very tough uh arkansas state team in a week where a lot of schools didn't have wins when they should have so i oh, think we're gonna get into that later we can take away the win and uh, look forward to next week to UConn. But for now, let's take a break, and then we'll head on into uh, some Kansas news. Terrific. Stop. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway, 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix, phones fixed fast. Gary Pinkle and Tara Reed had a retarded baby. Its name, the Mazad Cast. Well, guys, um, it wasn't just football that went on this week. There was other news. And um, I'm not going to lie to you. It came from the state of Kansas. So uh, with that, let's give you a little Kansas news. I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine. Sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. So, our first story comes to us from Topeka, Kansas. Kansas woman drives car upstairs, hits building, rolls over. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, they pretty much just told you the whole thing in the in the, in the design. It sums it all up. I would think it would go in a reverse order. Hits building, then goes upstairs. <laughs> so a woman escaped serious injury Wednesday evening during a wild ride in which she accidentally applied the accelerator instead of the brakes and went up a small flight of stairs before ultimately coming to rest upside down. First responders were sent at 6.50 p.m. On, to report, on a report of a single vehicle rollover. Topeka police <laughs> first to the location, found a black four-door passenger car on its top in the grass next to the parking lot of the Antioch Missionary Baptist Church. A Topeka police officer said the woman was attempting to park in a stall <laughs> in the east side of the church when she accidentally hit the gas pedal. 
the vehicle went over a concrete parking block, up a flight of concrete stairs, and crashed into the building before rolling off the side of the steps and onto its top. The officer said the woman suffered minor injuries. She was being treated at the by American Medical Response Ambulance personnel. Her name wasn't immediately available, and it wasn't known whether she was being taken to the hospital. So, um, good driving. Yeah. Typical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no reports on whether she was or was not Asian. Mm. <laughs> in, in Kansas, it's called uh, J-parking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, we have another Kansas woman story. Kansas woman develops stylish gun holsters for women. Of course. Of course. We've come a long way since the Wild West days of carrying guns just on our hips. Have we? (laughs) A former Topeka woman has developed a way that only a woman could appreciate to carry a gun in a discreet, pretty, and slimming style. Slimming. Slimming is Mm -hmm. the most important part. It's it's like horizontal and and vertical stripes. (laughs) When you are carrying your firearm, you want to be looking thin. Does it slim the gun? Or does it slim the person, though? That, that's yeah. the big question. That's a very good question. It was just simply patriotism, said Anna Hendry, founder and CEO of Dean Adams LLC. I wanted somebody to do something about it. Fed up with ugly, awkward, uncomfortable holsters not designed for women. The single mother of four started experimenting. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you want to do with gun safety. The single mother of Experiment. four. Experiment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who's, who's uh, worried about gun holsters. So I ended up grabbing a corset and a postpartum wrap and a mouse pad, and I sewed them together. <laughs> and you know what? It worked, Henry said. It I'm going to have How did that work? What, <laughs> the, what? Okay. Concealed the way she wanted it to. 30 designs later, she was locked and loaded, so to speak. And in 2014, she Puns. launched her business. It took off faster than the proverbial speeding bullet. Wow. Mm-hmm. In the first quarter of doing business, I did just under a quarter million in sales. <laughs> God that. damn. People in, people in Kansas do love their guns, mm-hmm. the, especially women. The company is named after grandfather Dean Adams, a Topeka man who taught Henry a gun is no different than a lawnmower. If you treat it with respect, it's not going to hurt you, but it can be very dangerous if you don't use it. It's just a tool. It's just a tool. (laughs) A murdering tool, but a tool all the same. If you shoot your grass enough, (laughs) it will lower the level. Today, Henry admits she's never had to use the holster in self-defense. That wasn't the case for one of her customers, though. She came home in the middle of the night, and she was carrying the gun in her corset. Henry said, and she had a man in her apartment, and she was able to hold him at gunpoint until the police arrived. Henry's biggest clients right now are law enforcement officers, housewives, and real estate agents. (laughs) The unholy trinity. She's also been approached about appearing on ABC's hit show, The Shark Tank. Ah, Hmm. I would advise not to go on that show. (laughs) Well, I think we can sum it up for her already. Uh, No deal. No one wants to take this. Yeah. A little bit of good news here. Kansas State Fair gives man and his wife and kids a career. Hutchinson, Kansas. Matthew Hall started working at fairs when he was just 10 years old. I would hand out caramels and apples as a kid for my mom and dad. Originally from the Dakotas, Hall now lives in Kansas. and A rich history of carnyism. (laughs) That's right. And calls the Kansas State Fair his home base. Small hands. Growing here has allowed me to travel and go to big events across the country. But he says the Kansas State Fair gave him more. His parents had a booth. It gave him hepatitis. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Uh, his parents had a booth at the Hutchison-based fair when he was a kid, and he met and fell in love with the daughter of another booth owner across the street. <sighs> However, many years later, 
We're married with two beautiful boys, he said. Hall thinks there's something special about the street, specifically the stand where he and his wife first met. If you're looking for love, this is where to come, <laughs> Hall said. Because Hall wasn't the first person to fall in love in the stand. Or in fact, if you're looking for a hand job from a toothless woman. <laughs> in fact, he wasn't the first person to, uh, in his family. People tell me my mom and dad fell in love in the exact same way. They met in the exact same place as my wife and I when we were both working here as kids, Hall said. He never thought of it until now, but the fair gave him everything. His life, his wife, his children, and a career that supports his family. And hepatitis. Don't forget the hepatitis. And the hepatitis. I work hard, but it's hard to complain, said Hall. The fair has been very good to my family. The fair has been very, very good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the story is about how it gives him a career, but it truly is carnyism. Yeah, yeah. To be a carny is <laughs> a solid a career in Kansas. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's... He's running for Senate. And we're going to turn from this good news to some sad news, guys. Hmm. Biggins Grill closed after health inspection. <laughs> oh, no. Not Biggins. Biggins has shut its doors. Hmm. Lee Atwood, who owns the Topeka Barbecue Restaurant, said earlier this month that the restaurant closed on September 2nd after an unannounced inspection by the Kansas Department of Agricultural Agriculture found food was stored out of temperature, which would allow foodborne illnesses to multiply. Hmm. A post on the restaurant's Facebook feed said they had to dispose of all the food in the restaurant, an estimated value of $1,500. The message said the broken refrigerator would not... were just corn dogs. (laughs) (laughs) The broken refrigerator would not affect the owner's plans to offer catering to special events in the future. So if you do want rotten meat, (laughs) you can can still get it. If you like food with fecal matter in it from rodents. You just have to buy it in bulk. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as if it wasn't enough that we were having to close down the restaurant, we had this surprise inspection and found out that our fridge wasn't working right. The Post said, we are really at a loss right now with everything. The KDA inspection report showed the refrigerator could not keep food below the temperature needed for safe storage, which it characterized as an imminent health hazard. Atwood signed what, that they would voluntarily close. The restaurant had to dispose of 17 pounds of dairy items, 15 pounds of chicken, 22 pounds of beef, 24 pounds of turkey, and 60 pounds of pork, and an unspecified quantity of hot dogs. That's classified, apparently. (laughs) How much Monster Energy drink went bad? (laughs) I don't know that can. It just starts out bad. (laughs) The restaurant's first inspection in 2013 didn't show any violations. Later in August of that year, inspections showed some hot foods weren't at the correct temperature, and a cook touched ready-to-eat food with his bare hand. And an inspection two weeks later found a problem with flies. So sure. it sound, Biggins sounds like a great place to go get a meal. <laughs> yeah. es- escalating problems there. Mm-hmm. A Biggins a case of uh, food poisoning with a Biggins case of diarrhea the next day. <laughs> you look I, the, the I think the uh, shocking part of this story is there's a health department in Kansas. I mean, this is the same state that basically dumps human fecal matter by the millions of gallons into their own rivers by admission. <laughs> that's true. They and can still afford to have health inspectors? Too. Yeah, I know. And it's a part. government agency. I thought they closed all those down. It must be federal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, and you know what, guys? There was a story last week about football that we didn't talk about, but Mm, uh, we really should have. The Kansas State marching band had a little performance that a lot of people found to be amazing and awesome. Some found it amazing and awesome. Some folks found it to be somewhat offensive. Hmm. Uh, Those folks, I don't want to know. (laughs) What was advertised as a Starship Enterprise attacking a Kansas Jayhawk some thought was a Jayhawk sucking a cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old cock and balls. 
Yeah, and so uh, anyway, the the K State marching band had to pay a five thousand dollar fine. They created a GoFundMe account, and within an hour, they had raised eight thousand dollars <laughs> because because of the support they had. But um, unfortunately, wife of Kansas State band director says he's received death threats from an internet mob. Mm, the a, worst kind of mob. In a diatribe that has since been deleted from Facebook, the wife of Kansas State University band director lashed out Tuesday against what she claims is an internet mob that has threatened her husband's safety and livelihood. Gerilyn Trace, wife of Frank Trace, wrote a 660-word Facebook post after the university agreed to internal sanctions in the wake of their halftime performance that the Big 12 conference contends may have violated sportsmanship and ethics policies. As I watch my husband remain silent at the request of administration as his fate is decided, I feel I am under no compulsion to do so, Trace said, quoting Winston Churchill as saying, the truth is incontrovertible. <laughs> this was not a cock being shoved into the face of a Jayhawk. The truth of the current internet firestorm my family is facing is that my husband and the marching band have done nothing wrong. During a space-themed performance at the Bill Snyder Family Stadium in Manhattan, the band performed the shape of a Kansas Jayhawk mascot, the Jayhawk, battling what was supposed to be a Starship Enterprise. However, the Starship's shape resembled something phallic in nature. The performance prompted a rash of jokes and derision on social media. Defenders weighed in, including Kansas Representative J.R. Clays of Salinas, Kansas, and former Star Trek actor William Shatner. The situation spiraled out of control when a perceived obscene formation last Saturday's halftime event was tweeted out to an awaiting internet mob, Trace wrote Tuesday. Hmm. Since then, my husband has received emails stating that they are trying to get his name added to a list of sexual predators as well as threats if he ever shows his face in Lawrence. Uh, what I feel like she's leaving out here is I can't imagine this guy didn't get tons and tons, a flood of support as well. I mean, yeah, the his people shoulder like was me thrown who, out from high fives. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the people like me who are holding him up on a pedestal is what I hope my children grow up to be. Yeah. I also love the phrase, internet mob. I do, It just sounds fun. Trace Digital t- pitchforks in there. Yeah. yeah. Trace said her husband has received hundreds of emails and tweets supporting him during his suspension. I have no doubt. And urged supporters to express their opinions in a respectful man- manner to Kansas State University officials. At some point, common sense has to rule and say enough is enough. The internet can cause so much damage, but it can be also a powerful tool. It's time to use it for good. She later deleted her post, writing, trying to get things to calm down, so deleting post. Please, let's all just move ahead. She replaced the post with a link to a radio program in which her husband said he had received more than 1,000 text messages and emails in support. So the, the funny thing, again, about this is she basically wanted an internet mob to counter the internet mob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. By the she sword, die by use, the sword, Brian. Use the internet mob to right. her benefit. Right. <clears throat> so anyway, um, we're talking about Kansas here. We're talking about Kansas football. Let's get to a little topic of Kansas football. Last week they had an unfortunate loss um, at the last second, which was devastating. But this week they played uh, Memphis, and uh, the final score was Memphis Tigers 55, Kansas Jayhawks 23. It looks like Kansas is now 0-2. It's so sad. Um, Breaks my heart. Yeah. So uh, Kansas 0-2. Guys, what are your takes? What do you think about uh, the possibility of Kansas' season? 
Do you think they're going to win a game? No, I mean, that's pretty much the consensus. They don't. They aren't expected to win. They were supposed to win if they were going to win last week. They didn't do so, and uh, I don't think we can expect to win. I did hear an interesting thing on the radio this week that uh, Memphis really wanted to put it on Kansas because, believe it or not, Memphis wants to join the Big 12, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is the rumor. And like, I can't believe anybody would want to join the Big 12 with the shit show that has become. But uh, apparently they have kind of been uh, – Fishing around for that, and so they wanted to show their their quality against the Kansas Jayhawks, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and they did Indeed. put a double nickel on them. Yeah, so uh, that is Kansas news, guys. Nailed it. So, uh, with that said, I think uh, we should probably take another break, settle our hash, and then uh, we need to get into some SEC news. Uh, Brian wasn't with us it. last week when we opened up our season with the Around the Horn of the SEC, and he's not seen your new invention. Yeah, I'm going to get him out of the garage right now in the break, and uh, Brian will get to meet Paul Feinbot. So look forward to that. I'm excited. This is the Mazodcast. They stink worse than Josh Augusta's jockstrap. The Mazodcast. And we're back, guys. And uh, there was a lot of football going on this weekend. Besides just our uh, Missouri Tigers defeating the Arkansas State Red Wolves, um, which, by the way, completes the political correctness portion of our campaign uh, in 2015, both the SEMO Red Hawks and the Arkansas State Red Wolves used to be called the Indians. And uh, they were changed into red somethings, which seems offensive in its own nature. (laughs) But um, let's look around at uh, the rest of the SEC and see what what transpires. So let's go around the horn. So um, let's talk about those games. And uh, before we do, we'll have to introduce our SEC um, additional segment host. Um, Colin, you want to... Talk about it just a little bit. Yeah, this is your first Mazodcast. Last week I unveiled uh, an invention that I um, built in my garage. Uh, he is Paul Feinbot. He is a robot who has been programmed with the uh, basically the mind of Paul Feinbaum. So mm-hmm. any question you ask the Paul Feinbot will be answered exactly as Paul Feinbaum would answer it. He's going to help us go around the horn here at the, in the SEC. He's inspired me. We had such a terrific reaction to him mm-hmm. that I've started another project in the garage, Britain. it's um, a Steve Spurrier bot. Oh, no. It's going to be fueled on uh, pure self-tanner and Grecian formula, mm-hmm. and it's going to be uh, hopefully unveiled later this year. Okay. Well, why don't you fire up the fine bot? All right. Here we go. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. All right. Thanks. I'm glad to see you, Paul. Are you ready to go? Let's get started. Awesome. All right, let's uh, let's look at these games. What ha- what transpired this week, Brian? Well, uh, we'll start with maybe a little bit of a shocker when Jacksonville State took Auburn at Auburn to overtime. Uh, Auburn pulled out a win with twenty-seven to twenty, though. Hmm. This game was more or less 
Jacksonville State's to win most. I mean, they they controlled this game. It was terrific. I wasn't watching the game, and I started getting text messages from Brennan going, turn on the television. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the sad part about this game was is that um, with like 40 seconds to go, Auburn throws a touchdown, ties the game, and uh, with uh, and then with 38 seconds to go, uh, Jacksonville State has a uh, has a chance to go down and try to kick a field goal. They kneel for some reason because they figured playing overtime against uh, Auburn would be easier than just tr- you know trying to score in in regulation in a away game. Yeah, I mean, on top of it. really, the last few minutes was a comedy of errors for Jacksonville State. They you're right about that. Yes, I am, Paul. They um they they uh. <laughs> They more Jacksonville State lost this game. Auburn didn't win it. You know, what I mean, it was a, a muffed punt, a stupid penalties, kneeling. <laughs> it was a, uh, it was bad. But uh, it was certainly, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what conference the uh, this team plays in. But the gap between the SEC and this conference are obviously closer than anyone could imagine. Yeah, um, Auburn was looking at people were looking at Auburn and Alabama as being one of the two top contenders class for winning in the, the SEC. West. And I think uh, perspectives have to definitely be changed after this weekend. I can't believe that Jacksonville State could score because, you know, Will Muschamp's their uh, defensive coordinator now, and he's the best thing ever. You know, he's not an incompetent boob who got fired at Florida. Now he's the defensive coordinator. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Uh, For some reason, people thought this is the same way last year. you know, when, uh, Lane Kiffin, well, yeah, there's Lane Kiffin in Alabama and all of a sudden Lane Kiffin who got canned at his job was going to make Alabama the, the reddest, hottest offense in the world. And now uh, Muschamp is a defensive genius. So, uh, it worked out real well for all. Yeah. If you fail miserably as a head coach, you're suddenly a genius as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I do. Paul. I mm-hmm. do. Well, Georgia, uh, put a beat down at Vandy. I think Georgia is going to win the East. Yeah, well, I well, don't know that I disagree with you, Paul. They're looking like it so far. They won 31-14 at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vanderbilt had some fancy-looking helmets. I'll say that for them. Yeah, I think this was a game of how badly would Georgia beat Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was not no surprise. Probably the least surprising, least entertaining yeah. game in the in the conference. Moving on. Well, I don't know. This one might have you beat there. With Fresno State went to Ole Miss and got blown out 73-21. to Second mm-hmm. game in a row. Old Miss has scored more than 70 points, and I don't know what this means for them in SEC play, but geez, crazy. that's crazy scoring. I, I feel like maybe Old Miss is uh, better than we give them credit for. I mean, it's hard to say that playing these teams, but damn. Yeah, I, I mean, it is scary. I mean, maybe take Auburn out of the mix and put Old Miss right in there because. Yeah, I'm pretty glad I'm the, 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 uh, the Tigers don't have to play Old Miss at this point. Well, Alabama took care of business, winning thirty-seven to ten against Middle Tennessee State, and I think the only shocker there is Middle Tennessee State scored ten points. Nick well, Saban. <laughs> Nick Saban. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Henry, the running back for Alabama, had three running touchdowns for the second week in a row. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. I don't, you know, like I said again, not playing much competition this week, but against Wisconsin last week. So uh, apparently, uh, the Crimson Tide has the running game going. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of glancing over a couple other ones here. Ball State lost uh, to Texas A&M, fifty-six to twenty-three. Um, East Carolina fell to Florida, thirty-one to twenty-four. That might have some interest for us in the East here. Um, Florida hasn't played the top competition yet, but when the games they have played, they've managed to pull out wins and might be improved over last year. Yeah, um, 
they have a, got a bit of a controversy at quarterback. They got Treyon Harris and this other kid. I can't even remember his name now. But uh, they they basically have been swapping them starts uh, in the last two uh, games. Uh, and Paul, uh, what is the other kid's name? I don't know. <laughs> Paul feels the same way. So, but um, I don't know if it's much of a controversy. As they, they 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 I think they like both of these kids quite a bit. So, um, you know, Florida again. I'll say that again. Like I said last week, Florida's improved? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Then Kentucky beat South Carolina twenty six to twenty two. The old ball coach. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not having a great season so far. Yeah, <laughs> barely beat North Carolina. Now losing to uh, Kentucky or uh, perennial doormat Kentucky. Not good. Not good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, Brendan was mentioning off air that that um, this may be the year that he gets put on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I think we've I, I said earlier uh, in an earlier podcast. I think he's lost his fastball. I think it's. It's time for the old ball coach to just play golf. I, I'm not really sure how they're going to find a win in the Southeastern Conference. I think that's a little bit pessimistic. Well, you know, Paul can be a pessimist. <laughs> well, a couple other uh, more interesting games than any of those, I think. Oklahoma at Tennessee. This game, Tennessee had in hand for the majority of it, <laughs> but ended up falling to Oklahoma 31-24 in double overtime. This is... Um... <laughs> Great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I, it's, I, I was talking to Brendan about this. The, um, and when we're in the Big 12, I don't know that I would have rooted for the Big 12 to win just by virtue of wanting to maintain the appearance that we are uh, the dominant conference in the world. Um, so a lot of people were rooting for Tennessee just by virtue of they want the, the SEC to look good, but sure. I wasn't. I want Tennessee to lose because there is not a more delusional fan base on the planet there's not these this they go into every season with such optimism that they're going to be good and cannot be nothing can talk them out of that and um all i hear about is butch uh jones and his recruits and blah 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 let me run a little stat for you that saturday's down south uh tweeted out butch jones is one and 17 against ranked teams tennessee has lost 28 of 29 games the last 29 games against ranked opponents this is the this is the statistics for the fan base that is so convinced that Joshua Dobbs and this football team are world beaters. Okay, it's, it's fucking delusion. It's it's delusions of grandeur, and mm-hmm. you know, to um, to presume that Missouri is better than them, it to them is blasphemy. Even though we've beat them in three consecutive years, and they uh, don't seem to be able to be ever beat ranked opponents. Um, you know, they make a hell of a checkerboard is the only credit I can give Tennessee at this point. <laughs> they did indeed, but it did not seem to benefit them against OU. The fact that they gave up a 17 nothing lead was uh, significant to me. Yeah, they, they lost. Not only did they lose, they lost in a back-breaking fashion. They, they really controlled this game for into the third quarter. It was like 17-3 to three or something with 10 minutes left or something. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Yeah, it you, was ugly. You would have thought it was over. They but, really do feel disrespected. No, well, they, they should. Mm-mm. So, but well, the the last game then that I think to touch on um, is Toledo went uh, the Rockets went to Arkansas and okay. knocked them off. Yeah, they sure did. Arkansas, our new uh, uh, christened rival, um, mm-hmm. who probably is second only to Tennessee in hype of what they're supposed to be. Uh, I once again heard a analyst on the the television today saying, watch out for Arkansas. They can compete for the West. 
And uh, no, no, that's right, Paul. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. Um, they got beat by Toledo, and their yeah. quarterback is hot, hot garbage. So hot, so very, very hot. Hot, and uh, he he lost this game for him. Uh, he made some good plays, but ultimately, uh, quarterback play is going to hamstring this team all year. Not sure about that. Well, you fuck you, Paul. But um, I, I couldn't be happier. It's it makes trolling on Twitter so much fun. Arkansas and Tennessee, in my mind, are related in that way. Both of those teams were looked at as uh, going into the season as the coming out party year for for them. Yeah. Brett Bielema and Butch Jones are sort of favorite sons amongst the SEC media, uh, Tennessee more than Arkansas, but both of those programs were basically granted, um, ascendancy, ascendancy, yeah, yeah. Uh, despite having not done anything. Yeah. And, uh, I'll remind everyone that Missouri beat both of those teams last year. Yeah. Well, and, but I will say this, you know, the people that are Tennessee fans being delusional, you know, you just, you got to give yourselves a couple of years. You had two, two recruiting classes and you think you're going to win the sec east like have two more and well, then maybe. I, they don't they don't seem to apply any reason or logic to it i'm not you know i'm i'm as guilty as of fandom as anyone but right. you're I'm, right about that i'm objective enough <laughs> i'm objective enough to know when the tigers are competitive and when they're not and uh, mm-hmm. uh these they are what not you can objective. Do is talk about cheering for missouri yeah yeah so fuck well, off tennessee well you lose. and then the uh the <laughs> final game Sorry, that's Paul's Paul, Paul went away. He's just calibrating. He just ran out. Uh, the final game, LSU knocks off Mississippi State in the late game, um, 21-19. Well, uh, Mississippi State made that more of a game uh, than it looked like it was going to be originally. LSU is still a mystery to me. I think mystery to a lot of people. I think they were definitely a mystery going into this game considering that they didn't get to play last week and well, nobody knew what we were going to see. Well, it just, you know, the – the the media didn't know whether they thought that LSU was going to be really good or fall in hard times. Um, and again, it's hard to trust SEC media in general just because it, it, to listen to the SEC media from the respective uh, media markets, they're all going to win. You know what I mean? Even though they have to play one another, they're all going to be 10-0 going into the uh, yeah the bowl series. You know, it's <coughs> it's ridiculous. But LSU is not a team I want to play. I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, – you know, Mississippi State. We are going to play, and I, I. What what I got to watch of this game, I didn't see anything that Mississippi State that did that, that, that put a great deal of fear in me. Uh, what what makes you so confident, other than being a fan? Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing. It's a good point, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess when I see Mississippi State uh, lose, it gives me a little bit of confidence going into our uh, later part of the season. But uh, you know, we've had two weeks now. Uh, we've had some data points now to to look at. I think we we know that Auburn's probably not as good as expected. We've um, Tennessee not as good as expected. Arkansas not as good as expected. Uh, Miss Ole Miss maybe better. Maybe better. Well, and and also keep in mind, you know, Texas A and M maybe better. Oklahoma was ranked higher than Tennessee. I mean, everybody ex- expected a, outside of Tennessee, Oklahoma to win the game. So right. I, I mean, I don't know that it's a fair bellwether at this point to say that. They're gonna, you know, their season's over. They lost to a ranked team sure. that was better than them. No, I think I think you're right. It was out of conference, so it's not going to affect their conference. Yeah, team. it's it, it was at home though, and um, and I think basically for me, uh, on its face, you're right. But um, what gets me is the hype that was built up around Tennessee wow. that they were yeah. they were one of the top programs 
not just in the East, but one of the better programs in the conference. And I just think we should learn that that's Listen, not true. Mizzou returning quarterback, Mizzou two-time SEC champs. If they would have been given the hype that Tennessee had been given, I would have said, this is crazy. We don't need to be doing this. And uh, Mizzou, no. But uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, but everybody was seemed all too willing to buy in on Tennessee. I, I, there didn't seem to be a, an objective opinion in the in anywhere out inside the SEC. Now, the outside of the SEC people will, like you said, a lot of people are saying, why wouldn't Oklahoma win this game? But within the SEC media, it was just – I feel like they were just almost chalking this up as a win. Like, here's where Tennessee validates all of our all of hype. Our and, hype. and they could have, right? You know, had they pulled it off, had they just finished out the game, then I, they probably would have. I think it's another example line. of how um, Missouri can win 10 games and still people don't really believe in them. Tennessee can't doesn't even have to play a game and they're ready to jump on board. Yeah. I think part of that goes back to, you know, the history of the program, right? And and so many people, especially in Tennessee and around the SEC, view Tennessee as this powerhouse and they haven't been since Yeah, what, I, just, nine, I read the stats earlier. 90 something. 28 know. out of the last 29 uh, ranked opponents they've played, they've lost to. Yeah. And and so but there's this idea that like ah oh, they're just they're just one year away from being that again you know oh next year they'll be that again or they're just right there for that's next the year. SEC in a nutshell though Brian most of these teams are living in the past like we had a really good program so many years ago I mean listen Auburn and Alabama have won national championships inside the last decade obviously um, LSU too LSU as well and I would say of the of the teams in the SEC those three uh, programs are uh, it's I'm fine with them being a little high on themselves. You know what I mean? That comes with winning national yeah. championships. Yeah. But, you know, the Georgias, the Tennessees, the Arkansas, um, what gives these, these programs and their fan bases this um, uh, idea that they are, you know, pillars of the college football community is sure. – Beyond me. Well, let's let's move on to next week's games and uh, let's do some picks here, fellas. Uh, we didn't do it last week, but we had so many cupcake games; it seemed like a waste of time. So. All right, first game: Auburn at LSU. Who we got? Brennan? Uh Auburn at LSU. Um, I have to, based on what I've saw, what I've seen this week, I have to pick LSU. I mean, um, Auburn just looked incredibly disappointing at home against an FCS opponent. LSU won against a good Mississippi State team. That's all I have to go on, so it seems like an obvious pick for me. Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think Auburn will look a lot better. I think they'll bounce back and be a good team. But, yeah, at LSU, I'll, I'll give the home team the decision yeah, on I'm, that one. I'll say you're there going to Death Valley to get their heads kicked in. Okay, across the board. Florida at Kentucky. Now, this is interesting because Kentucky won and um, beat South Carolina, which uh, – I don't know if that means anything at this point. I don't think South Carolina is very good, but Kentucky's going to be rolling in, uh, or have, Florida's going to roll into a Kentucky team that's probably riding pretty high in the saddle right now. Yeah, I, um, I think you're right, um, and I'm going to pick Florida, but the only reason probably is just falling into the trap we just talked about with SEC media is history. Uh, Kentucky's the doormat of the conference along with Vanderbilt. Uh, Florida has traditionally been good, although they've struggled the last couple of years, but I still think they're probably better than Kentucky, even at uh, Knoxville. Yeah, Florida's better recruits. Finally have a – hopefully their coaching system, uh, situation straightened out there, so I'm going to stick with Florida as well. I, I like that bet. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Florida as well. Thanks, um, Paul. <laughs> the, uh, uh, 
Kentucky's going to have to do this a couple more times before I'm a believer. Okay. What's up next? Uh, Old Miss at uh, Alabama. Oh, this is a game. Yes, it is. As, uh, Alabama has been good. Um, you know, Old Miss really hasn't played anybody yet, but they have been a scoring machine. So mm-hmm. uh, they're going to Alabama. So I'm going to say Alabama just based on home field. But this is a harder game to pick than I would have imagined uh, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Brian, what do you, what do you go ahead? Yeah, I think it's too early to, you know, kind of go in the nuances of you know, anything at this point. Yeah, you only have the two games in. So I, for me, I would stick with the Alabama, the proven team, Ole Miss, looking good, putting up all those points, but they also haven't played Alabama's defense yet. So. Yeah, I guess I will maybe be the contrarian. Then. I'm going to go with the team that's put up 140 points in two weeks. Um, I... Um, I don't know. I, I what I've seen has been impressive, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to go against you guys and and, and take the uh, the revs. But uh, I think since this is Alabama, and that seems to be a favorite team of Paul, let's let's see what he has to say. Paul, uh, what do you think? Will Alabama win this week? Nick Saban. Nick 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 Saban. Nick Nick Saban. Nick Saban. He's smoking. Give me just a second. Okay, sorry. What did I do something wrong? No, he, um, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. It's anytime we talk about Alabama, he yeah, seems to get over. He overheats. I'm yeah. going to have to work on the cooling system. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Nick Saban. Okay. UConn will go to Missouri. Who's that? Missouri. Missouri to uh, Faro Field to face our Tigers. Missouri. Yeah, Missouri indeed. And uh, who do you think? Well, I gotta go with the Tigers. I'm gonna go with them all year long. Yeah, um, I'm. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, um, honestly, I think what we just came across in Jonesboro was going to be a tougher matchup than you can. I certainly hope so. Um, so I'm gonna go with Mizzou. Is Mizzou across the board, Brian? Oh yeah, you gotta pick Mizzou at this point. Okay. I think the story in that game will be again. Does Matt? Does Matty Mock? Uh, you know, be Matty Mock, and will Drew Lock get any snaps? So we're all picking Mizzou. Uh, yep. I'm not- predicting them to win the SEC East. Well, we're not asking about the SEC East, Paul. Do you think Missouri is going to win next week? No. Okay, well, we're going to put Paul down for that again. Northwest State at Mississippi State? Northwest State. Northwestern? Northwestern State. Northwestern State at Mississippi State. Do we even need to go through this one? (laughs) Uh, Mississippi State, everybody around. Okay, next (laughs) game, uh, Austin P at Vandy. Now, this could be a game Vanderbilt may actually get a win. Um I, but I certainly, w- I, like, as a betting man, I would back off of this one, guys. If you're if you're gonna call your bookie this week, they'll stay away from this game. Uh, I don't care what the odds are. Yeah, um, what whatever the odds may be, stay away from this one. Um, wait, wait. <laughs> we're not gonna pick it. <laughs> no, you, I mean we can pick it. I'm just I'm, I'm telling the betters out there to stay away from it. I'm gonna go with Vandy just because I feel like uh, I don't know anything about Austin P, but I'm sure they're terrible. At least I hope for Vanderbilt's sake. Um, I don't know. I mean. <sighs> I'm going to go with Andy. I guess I just have to support the SEC, but I have zero confidence in that pick. No. Yeah, Andy. Don't bet it. Okay. Um, next up, uh, South Carolina is going to have to try to rebound by going to Athens to play the Georgia Bulldogs. This, again, seems like a game that we're just going to write the same thing across the board. Yep. Yeah, no, if, uh, if, uh, Nick, or if uh, Spurrier thinks there's any chance his team wins this game, uh, the Grecian formula is soaking into his brain cells and muddying his his ability to reason. I'll say this: if they do beat Georgia somehow, that jacks up the East all kinds of crazy. Yeah, it, everybody's 
it makes everybody in the SEC very nervous. They're like, God damn, Missouri's going to do it again, you morons. You know? <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, Georgia across the board. Uh, Texas Tech at Arkansas. Um, I'm going to pick Arkansas because I feel like they're going to be pissed off and ready to prove something, um, though uh, their quarterback play is going to have to get better. Um, everybody on board with that? Arkansas because I'm never going to pick a team from the Big 12. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. So okay. UTEP has played both Texas Tech and Arkansas, and, they, and both teams beat UTEP, but Texas Tech put up 69 points on them. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take a flyer on uh, Texas Tech. Okay. I like it. All right. Um, who does Tennessee play, Brian? I don't have that. Uh, Tennessee's placing, playing Western Carolina. Western Carolina at Tennessee. So, Ugh. Tennessee. Uh, again, like I said, Tennessee's going to look at this a bounce back game. They may bloody up uh, this team pretty bad. And, yeah. and, uh, at home, not ranked. Yeah. Well, this is the issue we are facing when we try to do pickums this early in the season. Uh, most of the games are not, uh, you know, they're no brainers. Um, I will say that Ole Miss Alabama game is going to be a hell of a matchup. Yep. So um, that's good. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Missouri UConn game. We mentioned it briefly, but uh, Connecticut just came off of a win against Army, and they're two and zero on the season, which I think is unusual for UConn. Well, did you say Brian's like the first time since nineteen ninety eight or something they start out two and zero? First time since two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Oh, yeah, a little more credit. <laughs> so uh, the Tigers, obviously, we kind of know what kind of questions they need to have answered. The, I guess, what we are going to. What do we want to see? Because yeah. I want to see the offensive line play better. I want to see Manny Mock play better. I want to see, I want to see more game. snaps for Drew Locke, I'll be honest. Oh, I, I feel like that's going to be a sentiment you're going to hear all week and that hopefully Eric, Gary Pinkle uh, shares that sentiment. I, I think he wants to play the kid more than he did, but in a game that's this close and contested, um, I don't know. I, I'm not as upset with uh, Gary Pinkle for not playing in this game because of the nature of this game, but um, there were certainly times in the game where I wanted him to play, but... Uh, I didn't – it wasn't like I was going, he made the wrong decision. I'm just mm-hmm. saying I would have liked to see him play, but I can't really fault him either. Circumstances were tough, tight game. Um, you really don't want to do anything to shake it up too much when you're, when you're playing on the road and it's becoming a real rock fight. Brian, what are you looking to see? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see a better offensive line play, more consistent offensive line play. I want to see our receivers catch the ball. You know, yeah. I want to see Mock start to make you know be above 50% passing. I think those would be my top three. I'm afraid you're going to be out of luck on that. I think that's mm-hmm. Mock is a 53% completion guy, and that's just who he is. Well, guys, we're running out of time here, but before we go, there's something important we need to do. Yes, absolutely. And um, it's an important award we give out weekly, and it is – now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair, Player of the Game. So, Kirk Farmer is a former quarterback from Missouri with a flowing, golden, spun gold fleece upon his head. Beautiful. It's beautiful. And there's a player for Mizzou that was nearly as beautiful as this quarterback's hair. And that player for me was Harris. And I know a lot of people are going to say brothers mm-hmm. and well, brothers. I think we need to talk this one out. Yeah. I mean, brothers away. deserves it. No doubt. But uh, Harris was, um, to me, he's what got the game going. I mean, when we, when we, the chip started to, to get down consecutive sacks of their quarterback knocked him out of the game. I think, um, it, uh, it, I really feel like he was the single biggest momentum shifter in this game and, and gave Mizzou an opportunity to win. 
And so while Brothers came up with some huge plays, another 16 tackles because he's a goddamn machine, um, I'm going to go with Harris. What do you say, Brennan? Well, um, you know, Charles Harris was certainly a significant factor. Kentrell Brothers had 16 tackles uh, for the second consecutive game. Ten solo tackles. He also uh, caught two interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, One game killer. I mean, he ended the game with an interception. It's going to be really tough for me to pick against him, but I did well, like can... Charles Harris's performance. Uh, I'm going to go Brothers and let Brian be the tiebreaker. All right. Oh, wow. Uh, if, if I'm going to be a tiebreaker, I'm going to have to stick with Brothers. I think he's not only is the leader of the of the defense at this point of the year, but um, the two interceptions and the timeliness of them. Yeah. And the first interception also where it wasn't so much he an interception as him. like, this ball is now mine. Give me that. Go away. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. wrestled it, pulled it right out of his hands. If you haven't seen that replay, go watch. Just go Google, you know, brother's interception and, and watch that. Hey, listen, I, I can go with that, guys. I can go All with right. that. All right. So for the second consecutive week, the Kirk Farmer's Hair player of the game is Kentrell Brothers. Hey, I'll tell you what. Kentrell Brothers, Brendan, I think since we've been doing the Mazadcast, maybe the first back-to-back week winner of the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, congratulations, Kirk. Or uh, not Kirk Farmer, but Kentrell Brothers. Well, you can congratulate Kirk on his hair. Yeah, because it's, certainly. it's terrific. Yeah. So uh, I think we've really wrapped it up with a nice little bow. This Boom. Weekend. We so, nailed it. Uh, thank you all for bearing with me and my craggly voice from yelling at fucking Matty Mock. Hey, guys, and don't forget to uh, tell a friend about the show. We've been uh, really been growing leaps and bounds of late, and uh, continue to fill out those surveys. We have continued to get a lot of response from the surveys. We appreciate that. Something we mentioned before, and you guys have uh, responded a little bit, is uh, keep giving us those uh, iTunes reviews, moving us up the oh, yeah. uh, moving us up the charts. We've got a few new ones, and uh, yeah, thank get you off your that. lazy asses and, <laughs> and review our show. Yeah, well, I unless think... they're bad reviews, <laughs> then don't do that. Thank you for the recent uh, iTunes reviews. Um, if you want to contact the show, you can always get us on Twitter at Mazodcast or send us an email at Mazodcast at gmail.com. This uh, week uh, that was uh, particularly good. We get, we get several that are, you know, you know, but uh, we got one this week that uh, we, we really enjoyed. We appreciate those, so keep sending them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, if you'd like a Mazodcast bumper sticker, send sure. us your address and we'd be happy to send one out to you. And uh, the survey that Colin referenced can be found on our website, Mazodcast.com. Yep. So uh, thank you very much for the surveys, the reviews, the tweets, the emails, and uh, like Colin said, tell a friend. So with that, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up, guys. There's a big Tiger win. Hopefully another one next week. So go Tigers. Go Tigers. M-I-Z. The affair been very, very good to me. <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shana's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? 
maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.